And welcome into the weekend edition of the podcast with Damian Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar, where they got three locations in East Sacramento, Oak Park, and Folsom. Vibe Health Bar is where busy people like you go to achieve vibrant health. It's where you go get your green juices, go get your birthday suit, your acai bowls, whatever you're looking for. Make sure you support Vibe Health Bar. You can get them on Postmates and all of the different delivery apps as well. The H Street location available for takeout. You can check out them in Oak Park and Folsom as well. We appreciate all their support here through the different incarnations of the podcast. And, of course, appreciate your support. Hope you had a fantastic week. We appreciate you tuning in. It is our last weekend before NFL football gets here. I guess I should say we probably should have started this podcast more specifically i'd say good morning to everybody and i'd say a specific good morning to deshaun watson because uh, i'm recording this on saturday morning at 9 15 a.m deshaun watson has had a very good morning uh, he signed a very healthy contract extension with the houston texans and he was the next one this is always you know the, 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 this is you know how it works when contracts are negotiated and contracts are made public particularly as it pertains to quarterbacks it doesn't really fall into place with any other position but it 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 becomes okay Patrick Mahomes signed his great who's next oh it's Deshaun Watson Deshaun Watson is next and good day for him uh, 4 years is the extension I don't have the, it's still, you know, very early. The contract was was announced about two hours ago. I don't have a breakdown of what the actual guarantees are. I just have the the, the agent numbers and, you know, uh, nothing matters more than the guarantees. Oh, here we go. I was able to pull it up. Mike Florio just posted it about two minutes ago. Signing bonus $27 million with half of that. Half of that will be received in the next 15 days. Uh, he'll get another $6.75 million by October 20th, and he'll get uh, another $6.75 million uh, by December 20th. So a nice little a nice little signing bonus for him. Again, $27 million paid out by the end of 2020. His salary next year, uh, getting inside a NFL contract is always such a, a fascinating thing. Because we get all of these big numbers, and remember, and, and I think Adam Schefter acknowledged this as, as much, and or, or one of the NFL reporters acknowledged as much. The information, while it was reported by someone in Houston, it was confirmed by an agent. And so an agent likes to get out there these big inflated numbers because it looks good for them, and it looks great for their client. But once you really dive into it, you've like Patrick Mahomes' contract, like Patrick Mahomes' contract isn't what most people think it is. And when you really dive into Patrick Mahomes' contract, I think there's a fair argument that, I mean, this is a deal where it's, it's a, I think, and, and I think, my opinion, it's a rare situation where the team walks away feeling like, oh, we, we, we really, we 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 really nailed this. Down. Like we've got a very team friendly deal, and it's one where the player walks away going, "I'm pretty happy with what I got." There's no, ha ha, we got over, ha ha, we got him, or oh, I got the best out of my team, or oh, we we made a fool out of this player. I think both of those entities walked away going, Kansas City got a deal that's really gonna keep them some flexibility in the future, and Patrick Mahomes is gonna make a lot of money, and. You know, I don't know what Patrick Mahomes' contract is going to look like in, say, four years. 
especially if he continues to weigh, uh, play the way that he played through the, the first couple of seasons of his career. But these contracts get signed, as in the case with uh, Deshaun Watson, with years left on the deal. So he gets the $27 million signing bonus. You know, he gets half of that within the next two weeks. And his 2020 salary is $1.7 million. Like, that's how much it counts towards the cap. And in 2021, it's $10.5 million. Remember, he had two years left on his deal. So they give him the big signing bonus to get him covered for the, the salary that he has, you know, on the books for this year. And then uh, it, it, it covers him for next year, too. 2022, that's where the real money starts to kick in. That's the $35 million uh, for the, the, that's his actual salary. The $35 million is not a signing bonus. That's not a roster bonus. That is $35 million fully guaranteed. 2023 is where the language starts to change a little bit. 2023 is where we start to talk about uh, $17 million guaranteed, um, guaranteed on certain, you know, on a, on, a, on, a, on a certain day, kind of a similar situation to the 2023 salary. And then I would guess 2024, some four years, 2024, 2025, that's where you can start looking at, okay, this is where we could potentially see some roster reconstruction. Now his salary is $32 million in each year. 24 and 25, 2024 and 2025. But how much of that is fully guaranteed? Uh, Mike Florio doesn't have that labeled. And because he doesn't have it labeled as guaranteed for injury at signing and guaranteed for skill injury and uh, cap on the fifth day, that leads me to believe it's not. Similar to um, Derek Carr. Derek Carr's deal wasn't guaranteed until a, a certain day of this year. Like they could have, I mean, that's, that's why I think most of us are maybe not fair to say most of us. That's why I thought Derek Carr uh, may potentially be playing for someone other than the Las Vegas Raiders this year, because it was essentially the Raiders chance to get completely out of the deal. Just be like, Hey, uh, I mean, we're done. Like we, 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 we paid the fully guaranteed portion of the deal. And that's why you always like most deals. If you can usually shave off at least two years, at least by like, oh, it's a it's a five year deal, five years, such and such amount of dollars. Like, OK, probably three. A perfect example was Amari Cooper's deal. Amari Cooper signed <laughs> Amari Cooper signed a contract extension. I think it was five years that it was a, essentially a one year deal. With, you know, they, we use this term in basketball. It's, it's more of a basketball contract term, but we, we talk about team options, right? A, a, a player has a, a team option in his contract. Well, Marty Cooper signed, he's on a five-year deal. And of course, 2020, like he, he, he's locked in for this year. It's a, it's a fully guaranteed year. It's basically a team option the rest of the, the, rest of the deal, they could let him go at any point and cost them a, a minimal amount of money. And with each passing year, that minimal amount of money becomes even more minimal. And that's the nature of football contracts. But again, they're reported by agents. Like you look around, there are certain, you, you, you could find, I'll give you perfect, Brad Stevens. Per, Brad Stevens is a perfect example. Brad Stevens signed a contract extension with the Boston Celtics. It wasn't announced how many years it was. It wasn't announced how much money it was for. Why? His wife is his agent. 
His wife is a lawyer. So that stuff doesn't get leaked out there because she doesn't have any other clients. Her client is her husband. So there's no benefit to leaking this information out there. And the Celtics certainly aren't going to leak it because the Celtics would know if they leaked that information that it that, that they would no more there would be no question where it came from. But in the NFL, like you've got teams putting spins, like we talk about this all the time. We this was a and this this has to be an eye opening moment for both Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys organization because these were the quarterbacks that were. Well, what's Dak going to get? What's Deshaun Watson going to get? After that was that was the conversation after Patrick Mahomes' a contract extension. And you've got to like look at this. Like remember the remember the Dak Prescott. I guess they were they were negotiations. This was stuff going on during the season. We had heard Dak Prescott has said he's wanted upwards of fifty million dollars. You would read that in you know whatever tweet from whatever reporter and whatever article or whatever ESPN insider would recite it. By the way, we mentioned ESPN. Just absolutely idiotic to let Trey Wingo walk. Just absolutely stupid. The the the, the voice of the NFL on that network. They're so like they that that station. That network, that company has been unable to get itself in order for years. And they have let tremendous talent just walk away. Tremendous talent that they've locked up to, to, to long-term deals. Now, now Trey's at the end of his deal. They're choosing not to renew it and like whatever. I, 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 you know, I, I haven't talked to Trey. I am friends with him. Like he's been on the show many times. I haven't talked to him since, since yesterday afternoon. I'm sure he got enough you know, phone calls and texts and different things like that. I know he has ideas. I don't know whether he was open to stay or not, but Trey was the voice of the NFL in my book, whether it was his work on the draft or his work on NFL Live, NFL Primetime. Like, he is what made those shows pop. And I know they've got a, you know, uh, I think Laura Rutledge maybe. I can't, I can't remember who's doing NFL Live now, but I know they've got a, a new crew doing NFL Live, a new crew doing all of these shows, and it's fine, man. You know, it, it, I, I guess at some point you've got you've to make changes and you got to do some things, but Trey's still a young dude, man, and Trey still had a lot to offer that company, and uh, I'm, I'm a 1,000% confident he's going to wind up on his feet, and I'm pretty confident I know where he's going to land, and that's going to be a good get for that company who lands him. But uh, I, I know this is a, a big left turn, but the when I mentioned ESPN, Trey Wingo uh, not renewing his contract popped up into my head, and I wanted to mention that. But where I was going was when you listen to the reports from ESPN or you read the different articles that are posted from, you know, whatever networks, even if it's the NFL network, it actually, it, I, I think this specific one was the NFL network. It was, remember the report that Dak Prescott wanted upwards of $40 million per year, fully guaranteed. It's like, wow, that's a, that's a big jump considering now, now right now, considering, you know, now right now we know what Deshaun Watson makes. And right now we know what Patrick Mahomes makes. So those are the next two, you know, those, those were the incremental increases because at the time, Patrick Mahomes hadn't signed his deal. At the time, obviously, Deshaun Watson signed his deal this morning. He hadn't signed yet. So the highest annual salary for a quarterback was Russell Wilson, and it was $35 million. You can go back for about 10 years. And that's just, and, 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 and that's not even like where it starts or stops. That's just where I stopped looking. You could go back for 10 years and see the incremental increases in quarterback contracts. And it's every, every new quarterback 
every single with like clockwork, every quarterback who signs the next big deal, who is in that upper echelon of players, and this includes quarterbacks that aren't in the upper echelon of players. This includes the Derek Cars and the Jared Goffs and the Carson Wentzes. It includes all those people. It's an increase of about a million to two million dollars. It's never more. Like for example, if ten years ago. Ben, and I'm just, uh, the, these are examples. These aren't the real numbers. If, 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 for example, Ben Roethlisberger was making $20 million and Aaron Rodgers was due for a contract extension, his annual salary would be $21 million or $21.5 million. And then, you know, quarterback X would be after Aaron Rodgers. His increase would be $23.5 million. That's where he'd be at. You would see that all the way up until Russell Wilson signed his deal at $35 million. $35 million per year. But I'm supposed to believe that Rain Dakota Prescott was arguing for $40-plus million a year from the Dallas Cowboys. I, even, a, even if you're an agent playing the high-low nonsense, even if you're, oh, we're going we're gonna to aim big, damn it. Even if you're doing that stuff, like you're never going to report that it was $40 million. That was the Dallas Cowboys' attempt to make Dak Prescott look stupid. And it worked. That was the Dallas Cowboys' attempt to get their fan base on their side and say, hey, we're trying to offer Dak Prescott a reasonable deal, but look how unreasonable Dak Prescott and his people are being. And I think that was the one report, and you rarely hear during contract negotiations, oh, no, this is this is trash. This is 100% false. The Dak Prescott's agents came out and said, dude, that is absolutely 100% not true. But that was the organization. That was the Dallas Cowboys organization attempting to make their player. That was their organization attempting to get their fan base on their side and make their player look silly. But what now? Where does Dak Prescott fall in all of this? And Kenny and I, on Dilo and KC, and I hope you've had the opportunity to check out our show on ESPN 1320. Uh, we've got some exciting things coming up in the next couple of days, actually. Uh, hopefully, you heard the show we did on Friday that we got into a, you know, we were announcing our pregame shows. We're doing pre and post for the San Francisco 49ers. And so, if there's a 1 o'clock game and a lot of the 49ers games are at 1 and 125, we're going to be on the air on ESPN 1320 and on the radio.com app at 11 o'clock. And we're going to be previewing the San Francisco 49ers game, and we're going to be previewing and talking about everything that is going on in the NFL. Uh, we'll be on uh, following the San Francisco 49ers postgame coverage as well on ESPN 1320. We're going to be doing a bunch of TV stuff with, with Marshall Harris on CBS Sports so, or on, on, on CBS 13. And so you know, we, were, we made that announcement, and then we just kind of started talking about football. And we started talking about the different storylines entering into the season. And one of the storylines that came up for me was Dak Prescott. And if you recall last year, every good game, like every single one that Dak Prescott had, it was, oh, man, Jerry's going to have to break the bank. Oh, man, the price has gone up for the Dallas Cowboys. Look at this performance. From Dakota Prescott, and then Dak starts to struggle. And what happens? Oh, he's not worth 
$40 million a year. He's not worth $35 million a year. Give him a nice $27, $29 million contract. He's probably a good enough quarterback to lock up long-term, but he's not an elite quarterback. And then he has another great game. Ooh, that price tag just went up. Dude, that is going to go on all freaking year. It is going to happen with every game. Every single game, because there's going to be a crew and, and, and think about it, whether it's uh, Joe and Troy, uh, whether it's the, you know, the Sunday night football crew with, what is that? Chris and, and, and Al Michaels, uh, whether it's the Monday night football crew, the new Monday night football, football crew with, with Greasy and Riddick and, and, and Levy, they're all like, they're going to be talking, especially the first go around. They're going to be talking about it. the first time that they get that crew. They're going to be talking about Dak Prescott. They're going to be talking about the franchise tag. They're going to be talking about his numbers up to that point. Let the Dallas Cowboys get off to a good start. You're going to hear nothing other than Dak Prescott's contract. That's all you're going to hear. You will hear nothing else. Let Dak struggle. Let the Cowboys go 0-4. Let the Dallas Cowboys go 0-5. Now you got Andy Dalton back there, like a, a legitimate, you know, guy who's started virtually his entire career. Maybe not even virtually. He has started his entire career in the NFL. This is the first time he's moving to a backup role after moving on from Cincinnati. He's the opposite of Belichick. He's not moving on to Cincinnati. He's moving on from Cincinnati. So now he's the backup quarterback to Dak Prescott. And, Okay, let Dak struggle. One in game in, two games in, three games in. Oh, he's a bum. He's not worth it. Thank God we didn't pay him. Put Andy Dalton in there. He'll fix everything. You got a you got a you got a quarterback that's not under contract next year, technically. And well, not te- he's he's not. And you've got Andy Dalton, uh, uh, an actual starter. I don't know if you should consider him. You know. Still a starter, but certainly has spent the the bulk of his entire career as a starter. So that creates that creates noise, and there's already noise around the Dallas Cowboys because of their idiotic owner, who said today, by the way, he's going to he's going to allow the Dallas Cowboys to silently demonstrate during the national anthem. He's going to allow. Oh, thanks, Master Jerry. We we are so thankful that you allow us this freedom of expression. Jerry Jones, man, I swear. Unbelievable. He's special. And I don't mean that in a good way. I do not mean that in a good way whatsoever. But his team gets attention, and he knows how to market that team. And another thing that I'm curious about with that team, because that roster is talented. And we had a lot of conversations this week about the most talented rosters in the NFL. And whether the Dallas Cowboys win or whether the Dallas Cowboys lose. And this is a running theme with this organization year after year after year. Whether Whether they win games or whether they lose them, they're almost always really talented. And this this roster is pretty freaking talented. I mean, like I don't would like off the top of your head right now. Quick, quick, quick weekend exercise. Of course, assuming you're listening to this on the weekend. Who are the most talented rosters in football? 
And the, and the ones that immediately came to our mind, you know, Kenny, maybe, maybe you guys saw that on social media. If you're not following us yet, please do. These, these social media accounts we have are super important to us, and they're really, really important to me. At D'Lo and KC on Twitter and Instagram, and at ESPN1320 on Twitter and Instagram. Go give both of those a follow. It's basically following me. I am 100% in charge of those accounts, and I try to make them all uh, a little bit different. So, again, go check those out, at D-Lo and Casey. That's D-L-O and Casey uh, on Instagram and Twitter and at ESPN1320. We got into a conversation. So, the most talented rosters in the NFL. Kenny was adamant that the San Francisco 49ers are the most talented roster. And at first, I was like, come on. Dude, calm down. Like, I know you like the 49ers, but let's, like, let's chill. Let's let's go straight guy 1989 and chill. And then you start to look at the roster and you go, ah, okay, well, they don't, what they, what they lack for, like, in star quality on the, you know, in, in skill positions, like the running back, or there's been a ton of talk about wide receivers uh, for the San Francisco 49ers this week. And it's like, well, they make up for all of that on the defensive end. With Armstead and you know, I mean, and, but by the way, now you got Trent Williams, by the way, on the line, on the on the offensive line. I mean, you've got you've got a lot going for you, and so like, okay, I I can see that. And then you run over and you look at well, Kansas City's got to be near the top. I mean, just I mean, Kelsey Hill and and Mahomes right there. That's that is massive star power. You got to look at the Ravens. Ravens got a, I mean, their their defense continues to excel. They're they've got the MVP on their team. All right, there's some some validity to that. The Green Bay Packers had the quietest thirteen and three season last year. Got to believe that's at least partially due to a, 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 a well constructed roster. But where are you going to go after that? Like Seattle has to be up there. So what is that? Did I just name? Is that four teams or five? 49ers, Chiefs, Ravens, uh, Packers, Seahawks. There's five teams. The Cowboys got to come into play here at some point. In terms of, I'm not, and, and remember, we have a new coach for the first time, and I keep forgetting this because I'm so used to Jason Garrett being there. I completely forget that, oh, yeah, that's right. Mike McCarthy is there now. So Mike McCarthy comes in. What's he going to be able to get out of Dak? And I think more importantly, and, and, and this is you know a lot different than last year because everybody's on the same playing field in terms of this. It's, I guess, it, 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 abbreviated offseason. Like it's an, it's an odd offseason. No matter how you shape it, it's weird. There's no preseason games, and we can argue the validity of whether that matters or not, and, it, and, and that's fine. But there were also no OTAs. Like, I feel like there is value in football activity. Maybe there's not value or as, or as much value in things like uh, preseason games. But I believe that there is value in football activity. And the football activity is different. It's, it's been different. And so every player in the league is going to be dealing with that. But the one who needs to have a bounce back season because he dealt with an abbreviated offseason last year for different reasons, and I think it contributed to the 
slightly down season that he had. And that, that of course, is Ezekiel Elliott. So what does Ezekiel Elliott look like this year? And I think, you know, with only a couple of days to the start of the NFL season, and I hate, and I'm sorry that I have to do this, I hate to pose this, and it's not a question, but to make this remark, you know, guys are going to get hurt. I mean, guys get hurt every week in the NFL. There's no question about that, but we, we all know that. But there are probably going to be a handful of, Top, I don't know, 25, 30 players that go down in the first week. And maybe a handful is just two or three. And maybe they're not significant injuries. Maybe they are significant injuries. But it's going to happen. And, you know, it's it's going to be difficult to not question, you know, the 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 type of offseason that they had. But I'm, I'm, I'm so curious how this first week, shakes out how does this opening night Thursday game with the Texans because I wasn't excited about football it was it's almost like you know especially with meaningful college football not happening and I know that the SEC is playing I know that the three of the five conferences are playing it's cheapened like th- like think about what I just said three of the five conferences are playing like imagine imagine the 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 Eastern Conference the Eastern Conference is is playing basketball and only the Pacific Division in the Western Conference is. It's like, dude, what what is this what, what does this mean? What does it mean anything? How can you eliminate two conferences and expect this all to mean something? Now they've tried to convince us, like, and I get it, it's on their network, they gotta do what they gotta do, but ESPN television is blasting out the college football season. It's here. Like, wait a minute. No, no, it's not. I mean, it is, but it's not. And what is it like? What does it mean? Watch Army play today. Watch BYU tomorrow. Like, no, I'm good. What UTEP is on? Oh, flip on ESPN three. That's a hard pass for me, homie. Where, where's, where's Michigan and Ohio State? Oh, that's not happening. USC and UCLA. That ain't happening. Where's Oregon and? Florida is not happening. You can't convince me that college football right now means something, that college football in any meaningful way is happening. It's not. Like this stuff that's on the air today, this, please, get out of here with this. This ain't real. I mean, it's real, but it's not. And now they're talking about, oh, of course, what are you talking about? We're going to do everything as normal. We're going to go, we're going to crown a champion. Champion of what? Of your conference? You could, I don't care if you want to crown an SEC champion or an ACC champion or a Big 12 champion. You should. But don't dare go play a college football playoff and have the nerve to tell me that you're the college football champion. Or Actually, I, I take that back. It's called the, uh, the, the national champion, the, the college football national champion. Come on, man. Stop it. Bucks are down 3-0, dude. That is stunning. That is absolutely stunning. The Bucks are down 3-0. And I love the Heat. Entering this series, I thought the Heat, I mean, we 
you play you, a team adopts the personality of its best player. And there's endless examples across the league. And perhaps there is no better example than the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are playing with swag and attitude, which is what epitomizes Jimmy Butler. Swag, attitude, and confidence. Miami's got all of that. Clippers, even with all of the personalities they have on their team. Their star is a laid-back, reserved individual who's focused on the technical aspect of the game and executing to perfection. That's Kawhi Leonard. That's what the Clippers do. The Bucks, man, it could, it's, it's, dude, are the Bucks scared? I mean, they are at this point. I think back to when Boston went up 3-0 on Philadelphia and Joel Embiid's quote was, I, I just, I don't want to get swept. I don't want that on my record. I don't want that on my resume, I mean. That's what he said. I don't want to get swept. I don't want that on my resume. Like, think about that. You're not even, you're no longer thinking about winning the game. You're no longer thinking about winning the series. You're only thinking about, I don't want to get swept. And watching the Bucks last night, the Bucks are, I hate saying, the Bucks are scared. Like the Bucks play with such a, like a reserve. And I don't know if that's on Giannis, the roster as a whole. I don't know if that's on Coach Bud. I don't know who that's on. But they were annihilated in that fourth quarter last night. Like absolutely, that was a ball game for three quarters. Milwaukee was in great shape. For three quarters. And then the Heat went plus 27 in the fourth quarter. How do you do that? Plus 27 in the fourth quarter. Unbelievable. Outscored the Milwaukee Bucks 40 to 13. Led again by Jimmy Butler. And dude, Bam out of bio. That was the battle. Like, you know, there were many battles, if you will, that Miami had to find a way to, to, to win. And with Bam out of bio versus Giannis Antetokounmpo, it wasn't necessarily, okay, Bam out of bio has to win this battle. He's got to neutralize Giannis Antetokounmpo in some way. Or he's got to have a performance good enough to, to counter in some way, shape, or form what Giannis has been doing. Bam out of bio has won the battle from day one. From game one through game three. And I know that you go back to game one, Giannis had better numbers. Game two, he probably had better numbers. But Giannis, Giannis was able to neutralize his numbers with his performance, not just in his point total, not just his efficiency. By the way, he was seven of eight last night. He got to the foul line. He made six of seven free throws. But he's getting bored. He's doing everything right. Everything. And I think while we're all focused on Jimmy Butler, and rightfully so, Bam Adebayo is a major, 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 major reason that the Bucs are up 3-0. And they're going to close. My, I don't think the Bucs are winning on Sunday. 
I, 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 they have no, there's no life in this organization. There is no life in this team right now. I don't see it happening. I absolutely do not see it happening, which is stunning to think the Bucks are about to get swept out of the playoffs. Because now, now what? Like if you're the Bucks, and and you were, I mean, I don't want to say they're a title of bust because Tyler bust is like the bust results in the loss of jobs. And I don't think coach Boonozer is in any danger of losing his job, even though there might be some conversation there might be, I think it'd be, it'd be irresponsible to say there's speculation, but I think there might be conversation, but it's sports media conversation. It's about a team getting swept, a team that you expected to do better. Maybe a team that had championship aspirations. This Giannis Antetokounmpo MVP ceremony is going to be very uncomfortable. This is going to be very Dirk Nowitzki-like. Like, this is not going to be good. But I don't think, you know, when you say championship or bust, for me, Philadelphia was championship or bust. The championship, everything stays the same. The bust, people get fired. We saw Brett Brown lose his job. I thought more people were going to lose their job, but we saw Brett Brown lose his job. We saw Houston uh, surprise a lot of people, including myself. After that completely dead-on-their-ass performance against the Oklahoma City Thunder, somehow the Rockets came out and were able to beat the Los Angeles Lakers last night. Behind a, and I guess it's game one and it's not game seven, so James Harden had an incredible performance offensively. He was very efficient. 36 points on 20 shots, I'll take it. If I'm a Rockets fan, I'll take that from James Harden. Not the same type of performance from Russell Westbrook. That shot is not falling for him. doesn't feel like it's fallen for him for years, which is not true, by the way. I'm saying it doesn't feel like it is absolutely not true. As if you recall, at the beginning of this season, he had changed the way he approached the game and was shooting a lot of mid-range shots. He had stopped shooting threes, uh, and his shooting percentage skyrocketed. But even those mid-range shots, even those pull-ups from three-throw line extended aren't dropping for him. Remember, he spent some time out. He dealt with an injury. He's finding his way back. And every highlight, every highlight from Friday night's game was LeBron James disrespecting Russell Westbrook in some sort of way, whether it was a chase down block, uh, whether it was a dunk, it was a steal. Like, he was just crapping all over Russell Westbrook, who hits a dagger three in the fourth quarter and and (laughs) turn. This is why. This is 100% why. I love Russell Westbrook. He hits that dagger three, turns to the hard camera, which is where the family and friends are sitting, and just starts screaming and talking trash and cussing. And I loved it because he had gotten dunked on. He had gotten two-handed chase down blocked. LeBron had all the highlights, but the Rockets walk away with a victory. And again, it doesn't mean anything. Because we regularly see the Rockets win game one and two and three. Hell, we see them win game four and five. But when we get into those clinching games, matter of fact, that game seven win for the Oklahoma City Thunder was the first. It's the first time 
in six opportunities that a James Harden team had won a game seven or had won. Sorry, let me let me rephrase that. It was the first time in six opportunities that a James Harden led team had won a uh, a series clinching game or a, a a series deciding game. And which I guess would be the same thing as saying a game seven. Same stat true add one year for Mike D'Antoni. They they can close out a series when it's, you know, 3-1 their favor or 3-2 their favor, but let it be let it be a a game seven. Man, they wither up and die. Let them be down in a let, let them be down three two in a in a in a in a game six. It ain't there. So game one, impressive performance. LeBron got a bunch of highlights, man. Good for him. The number for Anthony Davis and LeBron James, it is simple. It is elementary. That's why I keep repeating it to you. 60. The Lakers don't lose when Anthony Davis and LeBron James combine for 60 points. They got to 45 last night. Chase down blocks, dunks, all of the disrespecting of Russell Westbrook. Cool story, Bron. You lost, homie. 20 points on, and he's, it's, it's a feeling out game, right? That's what LeBron James is. Game one, it's a feeling out game. And I believe him because what the Rockets do in game one is insignificant. What they do in game two is insignificant. It only matters what they do when either they or the Lakers have three wins. Nothing matters until then. What they do in game two, the Rockets could come out and destroy the Lakers by 100 tomorrow. Don't matter. They go win. They they could win 183 to 83. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters until the Rockets have three wins or the Lakers have three wins. Because they'll be doubted until then. And rightfully so. Because of the stats I just gave you. Mike D'Antoni and James Harden have proven they don't win in those situations. The Oklahoma City game was no, the Oklahoma City game was a rarity, and you could argue it it is shocking that Oklahoma City lost that game. With James Harden playing the way that he was, Russell Westbrook had a really good two and a really Russell Westbrook had a really good three quarters. And then with James Harden in the bench in the fourth quarter, no one else was scoring for Houston. Russell Westbrook tried to pick up the scoring load, and it didn't work. Like it, it just it did not work. The shots weren't falling, nothing was happening for him. And, and and they managed to win with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I was torn because I really like the Thunder and I like everything that they've done this year. And if you recall the, the very rare things that I'm right about when giving you know hot takes is I was dead wrong about Dallas, but I was 100% right on Oklahoma City. Part of me, I, I wanted to root for them and I wanted to root against James Harden and Mike D'Antoni. And I don't know why I frame this as if I have some vendetta against Mike D'Antoni. I, I don't. I actually think Mike D'Antoni is a hell of a coach. He's just not going to get you to the next level. But I find myself rooting against James Harden for reasons I'm not completely clear off. But I couldn't root against him because Russell Westbrook wears a Rockets jersey. And I'm still a Russell Westbrook fan. Oh, my emotions were torn in that game seven. And I still found myself agitated that the Thunder couldn't get the ball in properly and, and at least get just everything broke down in that, that final possession. And I spent, you know, the last few days on ESPN 1320 screaming that Chris Paul should have taken the ball in. 
or Chris Paul should have been the inbounder. I would rather have Chris Paul making the right decision. We saw it with Kyle Lowry against the Toronto Raptors, or we saw it with Kyle Lowry of the Toronto Raptors against the Boston Celtics, finding OG Ananobi in the corner in a in a in a in a pass that had you know a a margin of error of zero. And he managed to get him the ball, and he managed to get the the Raptors in a position that the Bucks could not get themselves in last night. He got the Raptors in a position where now you've created some intrigue in that series. Now you are one game away from tying that series. You stole one. You ripped the Celtics' heart out. The Celtics were looking at a 3-0. They were already thinking about the Western, or excuse me, they were already thinking about the Eastern Conference Finals. And they took it away. And so who comes out like what what's the mindset for each team? Because if you're if you're the if you're the Raptors, the momentum, you've got to feel like the momentum is on your side. You that you lost. The Kimball Walker pass. Oh my gosh, on the other end to give the Celtics the lead. Come on. That was a wrap. And then you snatched it away from them. I mean, when you're up 3-0, you're thinking about the next round. When you're up 3-0, you're thinking about if, if, if the Raptors had won that game, their coaching staff is preparing for Miami today. Now, they're getting ready for their game against Toronto. No question about that. No question about that. But somebody's job is to start looking at Miami. Somebody's job is to start putting together tape and film on the Miami Heat. But the Raptors took that away. So what is the Celtics' approach? How can the Celtics mentally gear themselves up to get out there and, 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 and take back what the Raptors took from them in that in, in just incredibly thrilling Game 3? Sports is, there's such a psychological factor in sports. Like, it's, it's fascinating. Like, you know, hearing uh, Paul George a couple of weeks ago talking about, you know, the, 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 you know fighting depression in the bubble and, you know, not being himself and, and, and you know, be, being out on the court, but at the same time still kind of being somewhere else. You know, the mental aspect of, of, of these athletic contests are fascinating. And there's no way, like, you cannot convince me that James Harden and Mike D'Antoni aren't very, and even Russell Westbrook to a certain degree, you can't tell me they aren't very, very aware of what their records are in those go-home games. You can't tell me that Mike D'Antoni and, 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 and James Harden aren't very, very aware of their playoff failures. But how do you get past them? Maybe that Game 7 win for Houston was all they needed. Maybe they just needed that was the that was that was you know the top they, they were right near the top of Mount Everest. They just had to make that one final stretch to get to the top, and they got there. And now they're good. Now they can work there. Now they're now, now they're in a comfortable spot. They hit the top of the hill. Now they can get over that that psychological hurdle and go out there and play ball, like they did against the Rockets or like they did against the Lakers, excuse me, in game one. And I don't think they played great in game one. That's the part where, that's the part where if I'm a Lakers fan, I'm a little like uncomfortable because you've got to imagine the Rockets at least once, at least once in this series are going to get really hot. The Rockets, (laughs) they only, 
shot 39 threes last night. There were 14 of 39 last night from three. You know as well as I do, at some point, the Rockets are going to take 50-plus threes in a game. You know that. I know that. The Lakers know that. That's going to be the game that they wind up winning. I never thought this series would be a sweep because I, I thought the Rockets at least once would get hot. They didn't get hot last night, so that game of getting hot is still out there. And so it's a question of how many wins do the Lakers have by the time that hot game comes around, or how many more games like last night are the Rockets able to put together on both ends of the floor? Is LeBron more aggressive? LeBron only took 15 shots last night. Anthony Davis took 16. That's not enough. Rondo took nine. That needs to cut in half. The other half needs to be split between LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I'm fine with the amount of shots that Kyle Kuzma took. I realize you got to get other guys involved. But 31 combined shots from those two, that's not enough. LeBron James went to the foul line five times. That ain't enough. Anthony Davis four times. Not enough. They shot 16 of 19 from the foul line. Those are Sacramento Kings numbers. That's not enough. That's our biggest complaint, or not, not the biggest complaint, but that's certainly one of our biggest complaints about the Kings all season. Right? They, they, for years, they can't seem to get to the foul line. LeBron James going to the foul line five times, that's it? Mm-mm. Ain't going to do it. Ain't going to do it. Ain't going to work. So we got another slate of games tonight. I, again, I don't know when you're listening to this, but we got Toronto and Boston tonight. You got the Clippers and the Nuggets. That was a rough one the other night. The Clippers just... Denver is gassed, and you can see it. Like, and we we knew it at the we we knew it at the end. Like, if you listen to Donovan Mitchell's post game press conference at the end of the Utah Denver series, and he said, "I just you know someone he asked him about just kind of falling to the floor. He was like, I didn't know what else to do. I was exhausted. I was upset that we had lost. I was just it's the it was just my gut reaction was just to fall to the floor. And then you know the 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 famous clip now of Scott Van Pelt." you know, talking to Jamal Murray about the adjustments they can make before Thursday. And Jamal Murray's big game seven win smile wipes completely off his face. And he looks at this camera where he can't see a single person and says, we play Thursday. And you knew right then, like, oh man, these guys are gassed. And to the Clippers credit, like I wondered if that game one for the Nuggets would be their best opportunity to win because, well, the, the, the rhythm. Right, They were in rhythm, and the Clippers had been off for a while. That was very much not the case. The Nuggets were exhausted, and the Clippers were fresh. So there are multiple ways that you can, you know, you can go with that. Well, the team that's in rhythm, they're going to be the ones that you know, are able to get the job done. Team that's, that's rested, they're going to be a little rusty. Nah, it, it went the complete opposite direction. Uh, so we'll have another slate of games tomorrow, and we'll get you caught up on everything uh, at 12 o'clock on ESPN 1320. I hope you check us out. A couple of other exciting notes, which I don't think I mentioned. I do want to throw these out. I know I told you about the pre- and post-game show as football gets underway this Thursday. Obviously very exciting. We added uh, a new podcast. We've got a couple of new podcasts on the platform right now that I hope you'll check out. Search Be Heard, by the way, in your podcast platform and check out uh, Watching the Tape. Uh, Sanjay Singh, he has been on this podcast with me before. And Tim Maxwell, a popular figure on King's Twitter. They have a terrific 
analytical based Kings podcast. It's really, really good. Like, and if you're an analytics guy, if you're a numbers guy, if you want more than just like commentary, which is I provide, like, I don't feel like I really get into the X's and O's or very rarely get into the X's and O's. I just kind of give you my thoughts on what I saw, why I think I saw it, things that we have gone wrong, things that they can fix, different things like that. In my opinion on various things, these guys really dig into the numbers. They really dig into the numbers. They dig into the trends. They dig into the statistics. And they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're an enjoyable listening. And for their first, uh, for their debut episode, man, I thought those guys did an absolutely fantastic job. And I hope you'll check them out. It's called Watching the Tape Again. All you have to do is search Be Heard. You could also check out Sean and Vaughn. Those are a couple of guys who, uh, you know, Sean, Sac State graduate, been interested in broadcasting for a long time. They're about three episodes in right now. They really, I mean, they, they they entered that show with rhythm, and they have just built on it since then. Uh, so I hope you'll check that show out as well. It's called Sean and Vaughn. You want local sports talk, you can get it. I realize we're only on, Kenny and I are only on two hours a day, and you guys might want a lot more than that. Deuce and Mo drop a podcast every single day, Monday through Thursday. And Friday morning, you could check out Watching the Tape. You could check, uh, check out Sean and Vaughn. You got plenty of local content to listen to here on the Be Heard podcast platform if you want to venture outside of the world of sports i hope you'll check out the dope ones podcast actually i think i'm on the upcoming episode of the dope ones podcast we recorded an episode uh this past thursday uh that i think is due to go up uh next week and don and i had a really great conversation about my broadcasting journey about how him and i hooked up which is like it's just an amusing story that that is 100 based on social media and uh, how our relationship is built and the things that we're doing in the future also, if you haven't downloaded the Radio.com app yet, I strongly encourage you to. It is the best way to listen to D-Lo and KC live, and it's the only way to listen to it on demand. We are not po- posting the D-Lo and KC podcast on any other platform. It's not going to be on Apple. It's not going to be on Google Play. It's not going to be on Spotify. It's not going to be anywhere that you're used to getting my podcast from. It's not going to be anywhere that you're used to getting the Be Heard podcast from. Be Heard podcast from. Easy for me to say. It's available exclusively on radio.com. And sometime this week, maybe next week at the very, 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 very latest, but at some point this week, there's going to be a couple of new channels added to the ESPN 1320 page on the radio.com app. So what we're planning to do is to take all of our Be Heard content and create a playlist right there on the radio.com app. So in order to listen to this weekend edition of the podcast with Damian Barley, you can listen to it in the radio.com app to listen to Deuce and Mo uh, Monday through Friday. We can actually set you up on a schedule. Deuce and Mo Monday through Thursday. You listen to them uh, in the morning because we know there's no good morning show to listen to here locally. So you can listen to Deuce and Mo in the morning and right there in the same radio.com app. You can listen to D'Lo and Casey at 12 o'clock, you can catch Sean and Vaughn. So the idea is, and I'm telling you this in a very long-winded and not very dramatic way, is we're going to add all of our Be Heard podcast to our ESPN 1320 channel on radio.com. And we're also going to create another playlist. Uh, we haven't decided on the official name of it. It'll be something along the lines of bigger than the ball or bigger than a ball or bigger than sports or whatever. And it's going to take our our conversations on uh, whether they're with Eric Armstead or, or Matt Barnes or Howard Bryan or David Steele, we're going to take our, our conversations that are based on, you know, social justice, social initiatives. 
uh, those types of things. And we're going to create a separate podcast or we're going to create a separate playlist for that as well. So you can catch up on those in case you may have missed them uh, during the show or whatever it may be. So there's going to be a lot of new local content added to our ESPN 1320 page over on radio.com. So if you haven't downloaded the app yet, go to your app store, search radio.com. It's a fantastic app, by the way. This isn't like an ESPN 1320 app. It's not even just a Sacramento app. You get radio stations from all over the country right there on that app. So the best thing you can do, search your app store, radio.com, download it, register it, use your email or Facebook address. It doesn't matter. It's completely free. You don't even get emails for it. Like you don't get spammed about, hey, do this, hey, do that, hey, do that. Like I don't think I've ever gotten an email from radio.com since I've signed up. So do that, search ESPN 1320, and then hit the heart. That will uh, save us as your favorite station. And then that way, when you open the app, we'll be right there at the front. When you click on ESPN 1320, it'll take you to our page where you're going to see all of those podcasts that I was just talking about. And then you're going to see our live schedule that includes, um, you know, Max Kellerman. It includes Damon Ratto and Kolsky. Uh, and then it's going to include Deuce and Mo, Sean and Vaughn, watching the tape. J Street Vibes with Kenny Carraway and Jason Jones, all of that great stuff that you're used to hearing here on the Be Heard platform. Um, so do that, and plus, we'll alert you. We'll remind you. When D'Lo and Casey go live, we'll shoot you a note. If you're not sure what time we're going to be on the air with our coverage of the San Francisco 49ers in the NFL this weekend, no worries. We will alert you. Make it that easy. All you got to do is download the radio.com app, and that's my hard pitch, man, and I'm going to be selling that because it's super, super important uh, for our show and the different things that we're building because, you know, Be Heard was about building a digital platform to, you know, to kind of get away from, well, quite honestly, AM, FM radios. You know, people listen to stuff on their phone, whether it's, whether it's their, their favorite music or it's their favorite radio station or it's their favorite podcast. Like they, people generally listen to it on their phone through an application. That's why the radio.com app is so, so important. That's why we're not putting the podcast on Apple. That's why we're not putting it on Spotify. That's why we're not putting it anywhere else because we want you to be able to hear us uh, on demand and live in the same location. That's how important that radio.com app is to us. So I hope you will check it out. I hope you'll download it uh, if you haven't already. And I hope you have a great weekend. I think it's a three-day weekend for a lot of people. We're going to be on the air, man. We've got football this week, and we're not going to waste any days away. Uh, we're going to get ready for this upcoming NFL season on Monday. So I hope you tune in with us uh, coming up at 12 o'clock on ESPN 1320 and over at the radio.com app. But if you're out hanging out this weekend, I hope it is tremendous. I hope it is safe. I hope you wear your mask, and I hope you'll check out d one KC coming up on Monday, and I hope you are back here on the podcast with Damian Barling next week.